Welcome to the Orchard Hill Church Podcast. We're starting a new series called Life Without Lack. It is rooted in Psalm 23, and uh, we're just really examining what it means for us to live life in the kingdom with a God who is sufficient and good. Uh, And so we pray you really jump into the series with us. And one of the ways we're doing that practically is we're praying this psalm for ourselves, for the people around us. And so a little challenge right off the bat, join us in praying for God to be the shepherd of some of the people in your world, including you. There's ways we can pray for you. You can reach out to us at ohohio.com. We'd love to pray for you in any way we can. And there's lots there about what's happening in our community and ways you can be a part of our church family. Uh, But now our series begins, Life Without Lack. Today, our words of life come from Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. The word of the Lord. So I want to tell you a story about my family, about my dad specifically. Uh, My dad, when I was Young was a band director, uh, so that's where all of my musicianship, both my mom and dad were both uh, music people. They both taught music. But my dad at one point decided to shift his career from being a band director to being a principal, like to getting into administrative stuff. And so uh, he went to school, and then he ended up taking a job uh, as an assistant principal for a while at a school in Baton Rouge that had a pretty rough reputation. This was like in the 90s. This is before like zero tolerance policies were in place. It was a place where uh, as a middle school, you had to go through metal detectors to get in. It was kind of a rough place. My dad uh, had the first ever middle schooler with cocaine on his uh, campus. So a record holder there for my dad. Um, it It was a wild place. And he took the job to get his foot in with the system he wanted to be in. But he has all sorts of wild stories. One of my favorite stories about being there is he had a student who uh, basically acted up in class and came and, and hit a teacher. And so obviously the, the student was brought to the office. There was problems. And my dad just was like, hey, we're going to have to suspend you. Here's the, the kind of laid down the law there. And the kid was like, I'm going to tell my dad which my dad, having encountered lots of things there, was just like, fine, you can tell your dad. I, that's, we called your mom. They're like, no, my dad's going to show up tomorrow. He was like, okay, cool. Um, but my dad didn't know who this student's dad was. And this student's dad was not just anybody. This student's dad was a guy by the name of Sylvester Ritter, better known as the junkyard dog. If you did not grow up with WWE wrestling, like I did, 
You might not know who this is. He is a Hall of Famer. He is a legend, kind of mid-card from the 80s and 90s. Uh, just a fantastic showman. Um, but my dad was not ready for the junkyard dog to show up at school. And the junkyard dog showed up. My dad said that morning, he said the doors flung open. He said it, it was almost as if uh, it, they were just missing smoke for it to be a ring entrance. And he came in and he was looking for that teacher. He didn't check in at the office. He didn't sign in. He boiled past everything and was basically half running down the hall looking for this teacher by name. And my dad and the, uh, the local police officer who was always there on campus basically had to barricade this teacher in a corner and talk the, J, the JYD down from the anger that was coming because they had no idea who they were dealing with. And my dad, he, was, he, he, he wears authority well as a principal, but this is the first time I ever saw him say, I was, I was not ready for the authority that came to the door. I was not ready for the person who was coming in to tell us exactly what we should do as the authorities on campus. The threat didn't make any sense because my dad didn't know who this girl's dad was. Um, as we start our sermon series, and the series is called Life Without Lack, we're gonna sit in Psalm 23 for about four weeks. Uh, and one of the reasons we wanna do this is because this psalm, uh, is a psalm that most of us, if you've grown up in the church or if you've ever been, uh, this psalm gets a lot of airplay, so to speak, at funerals and different things. But it is, it's an anchoring text. Matter of fact, da Dallas Willard says, outside of the specific revelation of Jesus, this is one of the best descriptions of what life in the kingdom of God is like. What it means for the people of God to know God and live in his kingdom on earth. And as we... Uh, explore this over the next couple of weeks, we really want to ask God to show us what it's like to live in his kingdom. And I'll tell you this, if you don't know who God is, nothing in this psalm really makes any sense. Uh, nothing that God does makes any sense if you don't understand who he is. So as we start off today, we're going to start off just with the very beginning of this psalm and sitting in this idea that it all starts with God. In the first verse, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. If you move too fast, even to the second line, we miss something beautiful here. And it's amazing. Uh, we were actually talking in prayer time when you read this. If you grew up in the King James version of this, if like in your mind, you're like, the Lord's my shepherd. And the next thing that pops up is I shall not want. That, that's fine. Um, but like reading different translations of this sometimes brings out things that you wouldn't notice because you've heard it so much. That's where we're going to be in the NLT through this series. But the idea that I have all that I need, most of us, if you read that and you really process that, you're like, huh, well, that's interesting. The Lord's my shepherd. I have all I need. And you're like, maybe you've ever been there where you're like, well, my bank account would say something different. Uh, the bills that I have stacked up. My, my doctor tells me I don't have all that I need. Um, my circumstances would probably say something very different than this. Uh, as we start into this psalm, there can be a real disconnect even from the very start if we don't start where the psalm starts. It starts with God. It starts with the Lord. Um, 
But if we don't start with God, it seems that sometimes all the rest of the way that the kingdom life should be is something that we disconnect from because we don't get it. If we don't understand who God is, the rest of the way the kingdom operates just doesn't make sense. So this psalm, the psalmist starts off with this idea that the Lord is my shepherd. Anytime you see in the Bible the word Lord capitalized with all letters, that is uh, a symbolizing to you that it's using the name of God that was revealed to the people of Israel to Moses, the word Yahweh. Yahweh is the name that God revealed to Moses in Exodus 3. God has revealed himself in a burning bush and is having a conversation with Moses about going to Pharaoh and asking, telling him to let the people of Israel go to worship God. And in this conversation, Moses at one point says, so who should I tell Pharaoh sent me? Like who should I say is sending me to tell him to let the people go? And he says, tell him Yahweh sent me. And the word Yahweh is, the best translation is like, I am that I am. I am that I am. Like he is beingness. Which is interesting. If we grow up in the era of superheroes, one of the things that a lot of people like about superhero stories is there's origin stories. Like there's an origin story where this person went from being a nobody to being a superhero. In the stories of mythology, whether it is Greek or Roman or Egyptian or any of the stories of the ancient Near East, all of the gods and goddesses had origin stories. They were one thing and then they became a god or a goddess. What's interesting is that when God reveals himself to Moses, he doesn't tell him an origin story. He just says, I am that I am. I am the always existing, ever consistent, the one who, whose being sustains his being, that there is nothing, there's not a story of God ever being anything other than who he is, which makes God unique compared to any and every other deity that anyone in the world had ever described before. That when God uniquely says, who he is, he says, I am unlike anything you've ever known. And the way that I am unlike it is because I am consistently sustaining in myself that there's nothing of God that is ever lacking. There's nothing of God that's ever changed. He's unchanging. He is the I am. He is consistently himself throughout all of things. That even before there was creation, there was God consistently himself. He's ever sustaining. He has no want. He has no need. He has no lack. If this is the God that is stepping into Israel's story, then it is different because he's not bound by time or place. He's not bound by anything. He is the boundless one who lacks nothing. The psalmist says, Yahweh is my shepherd, the one who is all in all, self-sustaining, self-keeping, holy and good. When God wants Moses to trust him, he starts by revealing to him who he is. He doesn't even say, hey, trust me, I'm, I'm gonna do this. He says, trust me, this is who I am. The Psalm starts by saying the Lord is my shepherd. Yahweh is my shepherd because if we don't start with who God is, none of the rest of kingdom living or how we are to live in this world makes any sense. 
And the story of the Exodus is really the story of God revealing to Israel how consistently powerful and present and sufficient he is. So whether it is plagues or the parting of the sea and the destruction of their enemies, whether it is the cloud and the fire pillar leading them through the desert or the manna showing up every morning, every evidence of God's ability to be powerful and present and for his people stems out of God's very character, that God is sufficiently powerful and good. And because of that, what he does to his people is he provides the life that they need. He is good, and so he does good things. He is powerful, so his power provides the lack that they have. Their testament as they came through the the desert, it was even as they were faithless, God was faithful because he, he can't deny himself. He cannot be anything other than who he is. Adam Clark, the theologian, says, God is the eternal, independent, and self-existent being, the being whose purposes and actions spring from himself without foreign motive or influence. He who is absolute in reign, the most pure, the most simple, the most spiritual of all essences, infinitely perfect, eternally self-sufficient, needing nothing that he has made, illimitable in his immensity, inconceivable in his mode of existence, and indescribable in his essence, known fully only by himself because only an infinite mind can, be, can fully comprehend itself. In a word, he is being who from his infinite wisdom, he cannot make errors or be deceived. And from his infinite goodness can do nothing but what is eternally just and right and kind. God starts off by naming who he is. Because you will only trust a God who you know to be trustworthy. You only trust God to be your shepherd if you know and can see his trustworthiness. This is why the psalmist calls on the name of Yahweh as the one who is his shepherd. Because Israel has seen time and time again God's all-sufficient, all-powerful self in their story. Dallas Willard says, the overflowing sufficiency that we experience when Yahweh is our shepherd lies in the all-sufficiency of the shepherd himself. That the life that we long for, a life without lack, a a life where we lack nothing, it doesn't stem from us, it stems from God and the fact that God himself is good and without lack in all ways. Interestingly, as Christians, we bring Jesus to this conversation. The picture leads us to the person and the work of Jesus. And that Jesus is consistently like the shepherd we see in the Old Testament. In Colossians, Paul says that Jesus is the image of the unseen God. That Jesus reveals to us what God is like. Or as T.F. Torrance says, what is God like? God is like Jesus. So when we talk about Yahweh being our shepherd, for us who Christ has been revealed to, 
we lift up the words of Christ in John 10. When Jesus tells the people, I am the good shepherd. He's not just connecting himself to Yahweh. He is basically saying, I am I'm God revealed. I am the good shepherd. And there's two ways that he leans into this. In verse 11, he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And in verse 14, he says, the good shepherd knows his sheep and his sheep know him. One of the marks that you are one of God's flock is that you, that Jesus has laid down his life for you and that you, you know him, that he is, you've seen Jesus. Maybe not physically with his flowing locks and beard, but you've seen the goodness of God. You've seen the spirit of God poured out. You know the salvation of God. You know he's a good shepherd because you have been shepherded. That you have seen God's character at work because you've seen what God has done. And what God does is, is an extension of who he is. What I love about this is that um, if you've ever been around sheep, they're not the brightest of animals. And that's okay. I think compared to the infinite all-knowing God, I'm okay being compared to as a sheep. <laughs> my knowledge is limited. My experience of God is limited. But the sheep, they may not know everything that the shepherd knows, but they know the shepherd. They may not know everything, but they know how the shepherd protects. And, and what's incredible about the, the good news about Jesus being the good shepherd is there are ways that God shepherds us that we are yet unaware of. I mean, think about it. Before you were a believer, if you're a believer, before you ever put faith in Jesus, Jesus laid down his life for you. Like God was a good shepherd to you in ways you needed that you were completely unaware of. In ways that completely take care of you and provide for you and offer you goodness, offer you those things that we read later in the psalm where he guides and he restores he gives us rest. All of these things God was providing for you before you knew you needed it in Jesus. Like the goodness of God does not hinge on my experience of God because even if I'm unaware of his goodness, his goodness is going before me in Christ. It was before, like before you ever knew Jesus, Jesus was being good to you. He was shepherding and leading you forward. So even if you're here and you don't know Jesus and you've never put your faith in Jesus, the good news is God is a good shepherd. And in his goodness, he has made a way for you. He has made a way for you to know him because he's laid down his life for you. In all of the ways that Psalm 23 says God is a good shepherd, when we look at the life of Jesus, we see Jesus consistently doing the same things by offering himself. I think this particularly applies to the idea of fear and anxiety. I love in Jesus' teachings how he says the most absurd things sometimes. So he's like, hey, don't worry about what you have. It's easy for you to say, Jesus. <laughs> don't worry about what you have or what you're going to eat or your clothes. He tells people, like, don't fear people who can just kill you but can't harm your soul. And you're like, okay, Jesus. Expand, expand on that. <laughs> Jesus is always calling his disciples out of fear and out of anxiety. And if you've ever just tried to not worry, you realize that's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just going to choose to not be anxious right now. Good luck. See, we don't have it within ourselves to quell and calm our own fears and anxieties. 
But the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God is that perfect love casts out fear. It says in 1 John 4, perfect love expels all fears. When that goodness and that love that Psalm 23 talks about that follows us all of our days, when we experience and know and are cared for by the good shepherd, it speaks to our anxieties and fears. And most of our fears and our anxieties are based on amount of lack. That we all have lack in ways. Whether it's a lack of safety or security, a lack of the things that we need, a lack of control, a lack of awareness, a lack of foresight into the future, whatever it is, the things that drive our fears and our anxieties are often rooted in the fact that we don't have what we need. And what's beautiful about the kingdom of God is God says, I am the I am, and I am your shepherd, and I lack nothing. And so what you need whether you see it or not, whether you see how I'm shepherding or not or how I've provided or will provide, because you are a part of my kingdom and I am your shepherd, you lack nothing. I'm gonna be real honest. As we wrestle with this psalm over the next few weeks, as we read this verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. The part of us that in any way resists the idea that I have what I need. Those are the places where we're going to be challenged to invite the Lord to shepherd us. Because Christ has secured for us a place, a foothold as daughters and sons in his kingdom. He is the good shepherd. But if he is the good shepherd, we have to ask the question then, okay, so if he's my shepherd, what do I fear? What am I anxious about? The good news about the God who is our shepherd is that he himself, his love, his sufficiency, his utter absence of lack becomes ours when we welcome him to be our shepherd. Part of that is that we have to let go of our impulse sometimes to shepherd ourselves, to provide for ourselves, to anxiously go through our own world, securing the control or the safety or whatever it is that we are lacking in the moments. One of the things that we have to do for God to be our shepherd is we have to be willing to be shepherded. We have to be willing to allow his sufficiency to meet us in our lack rather than acting erratically to make up for a lack that sometimes, if we're really honest, we know we'll never overcome. We have to let go of the lies that we often believe, even about God's ability to be enough and to provide for us. One of the questions we'll wrestle with as we go through this text, are there any lies that I believe about God that keep me from trusting him to be my shepherd? Back to the junkyard dog. My dad didn't know this girl's dad was a junkyard dog, but she did. And so she trusted her dad to come in and to rectify because she knew who he was. When you don't know 
who God is, you can't trust God to do what only he can. But there's times where we can believe things that are false. We can believe that God isn't enough, that he doesn't love us, that he's not for us, that he's not good, that he doesn't have what we need. And if he does, that he's a withholding God rather than a generous and good God. And these are the places where we have to go back to Jesus, to the good shepherd who lays down his life and let the gospel preach to us in our places of fear and anxiety and mistrust. Because what the gospel says is more true than how I feel about God. What God has revealed about himself in Jesus is more true than my circumstances and what it says about what I don't have. If that says I have what I need and my circumstances say I don't have what I need, which one am I going to believe? If I fear that I've sinned to the point where God will no longer accept me, and I look at the cross and it says every sin has been forgiven, which one of these am I going to believe? Am I going to believe that God has taken care of it? Or am I going to stay in a place where I don't trust God to be the good shepherd? I'm in a place where God has shown to me that he will care for me that he will go before me, that even in the ways I don't know I need him, he will be my shepherd. In the moments where I feel abandoned or without, and then I look at the cross, and I see, just like the psalmist says, I'll feel no evil, for he's with me. He's with me. that he himself is enough. These are the places where we are invited over these next couple weeks to explore and push against some of the fear and anxiety that we often carry and to begin to trust afresh and ask God afresh to be our shepherd. I'm gonna invite uh, Brian back up just to play in the band up to do a song. Um, we have a couple of baptisms that we're gonna celebrate. Uh, after we take communion together. First, I just want to say, if that's something that you've been wrestling with, a place where God's been calling you uniquely to trust and you would like to be baptized today, we have clothes and towels and we can do that. So even as we sing, if that's something you want to do, come talk to me. I'll be up here. I would love to talk to you about that. Um, but the invitation we always have is to come to a God who is good and to trust him to be good. And as we sing today, maybe there's a part of you that's like, I need God to be good in my life. I've got some things that are they're really heavy. And I don't know if I have what I need. Even as we come to the table, we're reminded that God invites us to come and receive what we need when we receive him. When we come and take communion, we are literally coming to God, asking him to be our provider of what we completely lack. And we see in the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus that he's already given himself. Like he has laid down his life for you. And so what you need, you have because Jesus is good. And so as we sing, maybe there's a place where you just need to say, God, I just want you, I need you to be good. I need you to be my shepherd. I need to believe that because Yahweh is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And just receive and just offer the trust. Say, I'm going to trust you to be who only you can. So I'm going to pray. And we're going to respond. If you need prayer or maybe you want to be baptized, you want to come talk to me. I'll be up here. I'd love to talk to you. We can do that today.
But as we respond, I want to just invite you to reflect and just say, Lord, when I see that, I, that statement, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Do I believe it? And where do I need to, to trust God to be my shepherd today? Let's pray and we'll stand together. Lord, we bless your name because you are good, because you are the good shepherd. You are the one who loved us first, who loves us now, whose love goes before us and pursues us. And we have all we need. And sometimes it's really hard to believe because what we see, what we've experienced feels more true. But Lord, we pray in this moment that you would be the good shepherd to us. That we would trust you in the big things and the little to shepherd us. Show us the ways that you want to do that even now. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.